podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Celtic put in their latest Jekyll and Hyde performance at the weekend, but all came good eventually as we took all three points against Motherwell. This is Tino with the Celtic Exchange Weekly, and tonight I'm joined by Muff, Paddy and Assam as we once again cover all things Celtic. Muff, you were there at Fur Park yesterday. How did you feel at half-time and how did you feel at full-time? Hello, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tino. Hello, Paddy. Hello, Assam. Hello, listeners. How did I feel? I was very, very stressed at half-time and... I, I did not see that second half performance coming. I think as bad as we were in the first half, we were, we were excellent in the second half. So I think, if nothing else, what I took away for the game yesterday, it was just nice to know that the players, when the backs against, their backs against the wall, they could produce that performance because I was beginning to doubt if we'd ever see anything like that again. So so poor was the, the first half performance. So come full time, I was a very happy man. Very happy. But it was an incredible contrast two completely different halves and did you see it coming at half time given what we've seen for the first 45 I, I was extremely worried I thought that the, the lineup that we'd went with wasn't too far off what we'd kind of spoke about on Friday night and I thought right, that would that would see the change I just seen a midfield that just looked <clears> as if they were they just weren't confident in themselves and I include our captain in that I thought it was a really poor poor first half from him uh, they couldn't get their foot on the ball at all and just were not dictating the tempo the, the tempo at one point at all um, and credit to Motherwell for that as well I thought they 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 really like stuck at us and and definitely deserved their goal. It was a great goal and we'll get to the goal and one of the architects of it a wee bit later in the show. Asim, what was your own, your own take? We'll get to your half-time tweeting a wee bit later in the show, but like a lot of the fans, you had to watch that first half and really try and work out what we were watching. Uh, in a long line of absolute shocking halves we've seen this season, I think that was probably the worst. I, I, get, I agree. And, I agree. And when you add the importance of it, when you add the time of season we're at, for us to put in that... And that, well, like you said, we'll go on to my tweet later, but that was part of the reason. I was like, how after everything can we put up the worst of the lot? <laughs> you know, it was literally nothing. It was no hunger. There was no cohesion. The passing was awful. The defending was awful. We created one chance. It was everything that you just were like, nah. You were you were bored watching it and you were. I was getting angry. I was just getting angry because I was like, this, this is not good enough. I know we spoke a, a lot about maybe the players aren't up to it, but that just had nothing. It didn't have any fight. It didn't have anything. So I was, like you say, at half time, I was quite vocal with my opinions. <laughs> Furious, Muff. I could, I could read between the lines. Well, <clears throat> well I, if I'm being perfectly honest, I would have shared those that I have not seen the tweets. Ask them, but as you know, Tino, um, I wasn't, wasn't happy myself. I know. Yeah, the group chat told us that. But you've got a situation there leading up to the weekend. So myself, Paddy and James done the pre-match on Friday night. And all of us in, in various other channels have given it the whole 12 cup finals chat. You know, that that's it. You know, the rallying call. You get really focused for 12 games. First half of game one. And we turn that in, Paddy. It's not good enough. It was, as I said, it was it was extremely worrying. Um, I think for me, there was a couple of points where I'm looking at Nicholas Kuhn receiving the ball, uh, running with it, and then just really not knowing where to go was really scaring me. Some of the passing between the back four at points was really scaring me. The ball in behind, where we're playing such a high line, and listen, I think come the second half we've seen we've seen the difference in that, and and I think that comes with with someone like Carter Vickers coming on as well. But the ball in behind, it generally looked as if one player was on side, none of our players were catching him. I thought your man Bear had the better of Navrotsky and and Scales at any point if he just knew how to run the line correctly. He was unlucky with that the one it was uh, the one it was taking away from him in the mm. the first what 10-15 minutes. 
Yeah, we we looked so so fragile, and it, and actually this was for me the first time I actually seen this kind of set up where we were allowed to go back to what we kind of done last season. You look at Maeda out in the left as we'd asked. You look at Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor was up batting that that um, almost that overlap with Maeda, Maeda or the ball in behind. It wasn't working in the first half. Probably just a little bit of unfamiliarity with it, but. We were leaving ourselves so open and I just thought, hang on, you need to have players that are able and capable enough of catching up with the play and we didn't look as if we were. You'd struggle to give any of the players pass marks for that first half. I wasn't sure if Alistair Johnson was wearing a face mask or a blindfold. His, <laughs> his passing was woeful and he came good and he played a huge part in the second goal and far more like him actually as the game went on. But whether it was him or Kuhn or Maeda, Scales is looking a wee bit anxious all of a sudden for a guy who's had a good season, as he maybe found that ceiling at Celtic you know the, the question was asked so we put the article out via Michael Shearer who writes for us just now and Michael said is it time to end the Liam Scales experiment where are you at in that buddy? Yeah I, I don't think it was just that game there Tino uh, to be honest I think that there's been so many other um, circumstances with our play and there's so many other points of focus that I think for me Scales has received a bit of a pass um, considering you know he, he is playing he's, in my opinion his highest ability I think it's uh, well done him for getting to that level and actually, you know, contributing to certain games, but he's not done it all season, not not in my opinion. It depends who you follow and, and who you're mates with. Some call him the Ginger Maldini, some have got the Ginger Effie Ambrose thing going on, so it's just, it's where we're at. Before we kick on with the rest of the show, please take a second to subscribe to the Celtic Exchange wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss a single minute of what we do. Likewise, if you're watching this episode on YouTube, then be sure to like and subscribe there for the very same reason. As well as the Celtic Exchange Weekly that you're currently listening to, we'll have an additional five episodes for you to enjoy this week. And that includes the pre- and post-match shows for Wednesday's game against Dundee, as well as Sunday's trip to Tynecastle, and the very latest episode latest episode of our CSC Stories mini-series as we speak to the guys from the Detroit CSC. So be sure to check them out across the rest of the week. But if I'm going to get you to read that for me next week, I hate it. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think I should. It's a nightmare. A myth moment. Oh, yeah. Paddy, to get us started this week, what I do want to talk about is the, the crazy inconsistency that we're seeing from Celtic this season so far. And it's gone from a stage where it's you know, week to week, you don't know what you're getting from one week to the next, to the point where on Sunday against Muddle, it's half to half. You're getting a completely different contrast between each half. And what do you put that inconsistency down to? I, I think I, I go back to the word unfamiliarity with, with probably each other. Uh, we've seen so many changes in the team. It's not been as settled as we wanted. Um, I think for me, just watching the way like the second half kind of changed for us and and massive congratulations to, to Ida and... Um, even the difference that we we seen from him coming on to the play and how direct we became uh, to a, a point, but what he was doing tracking back was was excellent as well. But I touch on that thing about Carter Vickers coming on, and for me, the the, the massive difference was was that there was a, a calmness, a total calmness between our full back four. It's a different game. It is a, it's it, a completely different game. And straight away, it's what I was I've, I've been speaking about is that. Is that they know who's around them. They know, right, hang on a minute. I can allow the ball to run about at the back there and make sure that I'm available and open to receive the ball in midfield. I think McGregor's game changed in the second half solely because of those those changes as well. We've not had that all season. We've not had Carter Vickers all season. We've also not had Rio Hattati all season. Massive, massive players in that that uh, that Celtic side. And it, it, for me, it's definitely shown... Is there enough in that squad to go and, and win a league? Um, there should be, but it takes leaders. And Celtic have been missing leaders all season. 
And Carter Vickers, my fee's absolutely one of those guys. You know, Paddy makes a point when he comes on, Teal Bear's afternoon was done. Yeah. You know, that was the bottom line. He'd a very decent first half, very lively, very threatening, and was, a, you know, judged correctly, you know, to call off his goal, but he was very effective up to that point. But what you've seen from Celtic in recent weeks when Carter Vickers has been missing against Kilmarnock, guys like Kevin Van Veen, Kyle Vassell up top caused us all sorts of bother. Yeah. Against Ross County a number of weeks ago, Jordan White and guys like that cause us bother. And by us, I'm talking about Liam Scales and whoever's next to him. When Cameron Carter Vickers comes in, he c calmness is the word Paddy used, he just completely nullifies that threat and lets us move on with the rest of the game without having to worry about you know closing the back door. Well, your, your best players are your best players for a reason. Yeah. It's because they are they're generally the most consistent and they also have a positive effect in their teammates and none more so than Liam Scales, I, I would argue yesterday. Um it's not necessarily fair to blame Navroki for that, who I actually thought had a fairly decent Aye. game. And I think he was trying he was trying to get us out and use the ball better. He read quite quickly that what we were doing in the left hand side wasn't working and he, he was trying to switch up. And I actually thought, despite Kuhn having as bad a forty five minutes as I can ever remember for a Celtic player, Johnson actually delivered as the game went on yeah. a, a lot better quality if he felt in the right. Vickers for me is, you know, He's exceptional. My only worry with him is he's becoming available less and less. Um, I just thought if we need to leave him out for a prolonged period to get him ready for, for next season, it might need to be done because what this season has shown is we can't have him sporadically in the team. No. We Either that or we, we actually need to replace him because it's really, really damaged us in the games that we haven't had him for the reasons that you've, you know, a physical presence up top, whether it's Welsh whether it's Scales, whether it's Navrocki, although you can't really say it's him because he's not played often enough. We just don't really seem to have the tools to be able to cope with it. My, my only th thought on that, to be honest, with the with Carter Vickers, I think there is definitely a, a concern about that that knee from last year. We've seen the, obviously the injury we picked up again at the beginning of the season. But this one, this most recent injury, is just through lack of game time, the hamstring, um, which... Celtic again, they're not very transparent in telling us what's going on with the players. It's all oh he should be back then, he should be back there. It's not um it's not open and honest. Like this is this a recurring knee injury or it is a hamstring injury. We only find that out when he came back into the team at the weekend there. That for me was a bit more promising to hear that that's what it yeah. was. He can build that fitness back up and hopefully he sees the hamstring injuries uh, um at the back of everything and moves on. Uh, so Muff mentioned Nicholas Kuhn there and Celtic's wingers have been a hot topic for good reason recently. Someone, I think it was Celtic first, tweeted that I've not seen as bad a 45 minutes from Nicholas Kuhn as when he gave us 45 against Hibs just a couple of weeks prior. Or, or Palmer last week. Yeah, the, the wide boys for Celtic are really struggling until Jan came in, and we'll yeah. get to that because that was quite positive, but the starting wingers aren't doing a great job at this moment in time. You, you don't want to be too harsh on the guy because he's only just been in the door, but we've what, seen maybe six, seven appearances now and he's he's failed to show anything really of, of note whether that's running with the ball, which is what I thought was going to be his main attribute, was he was supposed to be quite a, a good dribbler that can that can be different from the other wingers that we've got, but he's he's really reluctant to take anyone on. Yeah. Seems almost scared to do it. I don't know if it's the weight of the the pressure, that situation that he's came into. You know, some players kind of thrive on it, and we'll probably talk about Adam Ida later on, but he looks like someone who's really taken on the mantle and enjoying this kind of pressure cooker environment yeah. whereas Kuhn just looks like he's he's scared to play in front of the crowd right now and maybe that's why it's not worked out for him in this previous kind of big moves to big clubs and it's, and why he was promising at Rapid Vienna where that expectation isn't there that being said you want to give him time it could be another one that might grow into it but the issue we've got is we've bought him at a time and 
to be honest, all the chat was he was going to come in and influence things straight away. We don't we don't have time for people that might might turn out to be good. We need yeah. instant impacts, yeah. and and that's where the concern is. We had the debate on here whether he was a project signing or a a ready to go first team player, and we kind of agreed that it looked like he was ready to go first team. That's not proven to be the case, and. We've got him for five and a half years, by the way. We've got a long time to see if he develops. But right now, he's not having a, a positive impact on this campaign. What you are seeing from Adam Eder is a guy who's about the same age, 22, who, to your point, Asim, he's thriving on it. He, he's getting pitched into games yesterday. At 1-0 down, he comes on. And as a centre forward for Celtic, when you're 1-0 down, all eyes on you. And he stepped up and then some. So it's a real credit to him that he's shown the... The character they respond. Even even the balls to take the penalty at uh, Hibs. Yeah. You know, that's a big pressure moment. Again, at that point, we thought this could be the turning point. But for him to step up, take it calmly, yesterday as well. I've, I've been impressed with him every time he's played. I know he's missed a couple of chances where people have said he doesn't look like an actual finisher. But it was those two goals were brilliant. That was top-notch finishing there. His first goal was as good a goal as you'll see. Yeah. I when, thought it was a brilliant header. When was the last time you've seen a goal like that for Celtic? Yeah. Somebody said he's Jack Amakis-esque and you mm. could debate that. But it was just a, a real... Classic number nine finish. I actually see, I think he seems quite mobile for the, for yeah. his height as well. I think he can get about quite quickly. Good touch for a big lad. And the interesting lad. thing, it was Sutton, who when we signed him was not scathing of him, but saying like, I don't know if this is the guy that this is going to take sell. Mm-hmm. And it was Sutton yesterday who was really encouraged with him. And there was play, parts of his game, which, you know, the one for the free kick, mm-hmm. um, very Sutton-esque, you know, the way he was holding it in. in. His header as well, that could finish. So... I'm really quite excited about and I I definitely think he's a a nailed on starter now hopefully I think so and we'll we'll maybe touch on the Dundee stuff for Wednesday night but there's no doubt he's going to have a big part to play uh, as we move on just to go back to Celtic's inconsistency because we have to it's just part of the show Uh, you might have seen the tweet doing the rounds from at Celtic FC Trivia on Twitter and he basically gave the quite startling stat that the Motherwell game was Celtic's 36th game of the season and over the course of those games we've gone with 30 different starting lineups. 30 different lineups across 36 games and uh, I mean I said it many times now inconsistent lineups equals inconsistent results but that's an incredible number I don't think it would actually shock MD that because it, there hasn't really been a settled team both for a combination of injuries and, and loss of form for players and it, it's just the way that it goes sometimes the, the, the way the whole season panned out my, my only or the saving grace for me is that Rangers caught up was was still enough time left invariably what happens in these situations is very rarely does the team that gets hunted down rebound back mm-hmm. normally the momentum swings only yeah. one way that's just history tells you that if you look back at leagues Strachan's that, that, third season that's, that's, remember yeah yeah, 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 yeah that, yes um, so you think you think of those and you go ah, it's, it's probably only got, got to go one way now but it's happened at such a time where you know Rangers have still got Europe to concern themselves with Celtic have got some players to come back and I don't know that what what my my mentality around the game on Sunday is that I think on the first half we have literally reached rock bottom and it's brought something out in the players which I quite simply didn't think they had left and that in itself says a lot to me because every dressing room needs leaders as you said maybe we've actually seen the dawn of a few new leaders come out that game on on Sunday I think you know somebody either coming off the bench you know chest out holding his man off the way that he was in a game where we were getting bullied let's be quite honest with you mm. the subsequent impact that had that ran right through the team it's just those those wee those wee moments and then what you've also got is as you go into the home straight 
You've got a leader who isn't really used to leading and there's a huge difference between hunting down and leading. So I think there's still enough what-ifs around the conclusion of the season. All I would say is we're probably, I know we've still got Rangers to play twice, but you're probably still looking for somebody else to do you a favour. I just can't see who that's going to be. I would say it, it, it would, can be us. We don't it, need to rely on well, it. Well, that's true. That's true. And true. I, but I, I think back to, for me, I wonder how big that Motherwell goal will be um, come the end of the season as well. Because I think back, uh, that could be a moment that galvanises them. I think that's you go in nothing each year and it's still half and puff. Oh, yeah. Like I'm not going to change much. We're not going to do that. Just focus, remain focused. Whereas I think that goal actually just changes the, the halftime team talk. And it, you know, you think back to remember the. The game against Kilmarnock with Neil yep. Lennon. Yep. Um, we were three three down and come back to three each. A massive turning point for that team and belief of what they can come back and do. And, and I just think that we know what we're capable of doing. And I think what we hopefully have in this run in, and it will be massive for Celtic, is our strongest team. Yeah. Our the, strongest team being available. The, the goal was the cherry on top of the worst half of football. I think, I've ever seen I think both of you make some good points and, and something that I probably maybe not thought of which was a the fact that that was rock bottom and it's probably what triggered myself yourself and, and many others Absolutely. to be like enough's enough <sighs> and the fact that you've said the goal because had it gone in now now we've seen that quite a few times in the last yep. weeks mm-hmm. where it doesn't really change and the thing that i thought was different yesterday to even the hibs the hibs one we locked out mm-hmm. we literally just locked out I, with that last yep. minute penalty Agreed. we were the team yep. that should have lost that yes, game yes yeah. completely agree. yesterday right from the minute the second half kicked off i seen something different. Yes. You've seen a tempo, an urgency that I was like, I've not seen this from this Celtic team for so long. Maybe the St. Johnston away game, that last half hour, half hour was probably the last time you've seen yeah. a sudden, like the, 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 the guys in the pitch just took it upon themselves. I didn't think they had it in them. And that's why for me yesterday, I know we've said turning point and a lot of times and you're almost like reluctant to now say it because <laughs> you just sound silly. No, I know. But it felt different. And we, we could get proven wrong on Wednesday again, but it just felt like they showed something that they hadn't before. We were trailing and they had to really come out and dig that out. And the fact that, A, we look like doing it and they managed to get it and then get a third goal, you just hope that that's even given them the belief, you know what, we're actually not that bad. We, yeah. we, we can do this. I was talking to some mates last night about, you know, is this Celtic finally turning a corner? But we've said that three or four times a season and if you turn a corner four times do you not just end up back uh, yeah, <laughs> where you were initially which was like should have been yeah. <laughs> interesting no party I mean not saying Blair Spittle saved Celtic season and all that kind of stuff but you're right it's, it's a pivotal moment and leagues can be won and lost enough on tiny margins and tiny moments and nothing each at half time might have just allowed Rodgers or, or you know made Rodgers decide we'll just keep doing more of the same yeah. surely this will get better but it forced his hand he had to make a change and I know Kyogo was he has said, quote-unquote, that it was tactical for taking Kyogo off. He accepted that he had a niggle with the shoulder, but he said it was tactical. And he's made that call, and it's a huge call to take off your your top marksman at that point, when it's basically a, it's a save-your-season halftime team talk. It is, and I think, for me, looking at the, the flow of the game yesterday, um, it wasn't really a day for Celtic to keep the ball in the deck and, and play it in behind. It wasn't working that way at all. I think um, any long balls that we were trying to play in was getting were getting mopped up. Seen Callum McGregor take the ball um, just at the halfway line over in the, the right wing and launch a long ball mm. towards Kyogo and, and he's up against uh, McGabby and uh, Cummins and it's uh, sorry Butcher and it's it's gone straight away. He's not getting anywhere near it. And I thought that was desperation. 
because you know what we're not we're not getting this along the deck we're not getting in behind Motherwell were sitting quite happy and soaking it up and a good few fast players that were able to kind of spring a bit of a counter attack on us was our worry more than them being worried by us but it just changes I think like uh, like we've kind of touched on before as well just the physical presence of Ida gave those two centre half something else to really think about and actually allowed our wingers to get in behind for the first time and the one player for me, and I'm sure we'll come on to him, but the uh, the difference that Yang made. Yes. Um, my God, just someone that probably just realised this is an opportunity for him. You know, he's not been in the side as much as possible, but to take the ball, be comfortable on the ball, Probably. but also allow the overlap, which we've not seen all season by Alistair Johnson. Yeah. It, it was like a wake-up call for, for the Celtic in that second half, and it worked. Yeah, do you know, they linked up so well, and it's something we've not seen. And we spoke about the need for partnerships all across yeah. the park your left back your left winger need to click your right back your right winger your two certain halves your midfield folks and I think we've seen the signs of a potential partnership between Yang and Johnson what you've got though is a situation where the sub Celtic made against Motherwell we used all five subs and less so with Paolo Bernardo all four made a big impact Louis Palma Yang Ida and Cameron Carter Vickers and that's in stark contrast hold on a minute if I know you're desperate to get in because <laughs> we've not mentioned them go on Tomoki Awata specifically second half yeah, when yes. the game was more stretched he just showed exactly why he should be in the team first half it was not a lot of use because it, it, it just the game was just passing him by mm-hmm. but second half when the game was stretched and he could plug the wee gaps I just thought he was absolutely tremendous well let, well let me ask you a question Paddy so despite injuries and unavailability guys like Hatate, Katavikers at times Leah Labada is Brendan Rodgers still trying to work out his best team at this moment at the end of February? But before you answer, we'll take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, folks. Before the break there, I was asking the question, if Brendan Rodgers is still trying to work out his best side at the end of February, and it seems to be the case, but I'll come to you first. Do you think he maybe stumbled into something close to it against Motherwell? Um, to be honest, I don't blame him for struggling to because I don't think we can. Like you, literally, you look across that. But if every, obviously, I think if everyone's fit, we know kind of what the back line would be. But between midfields and and the wingers, it's literally hit or miss. It's been like that. You know, it's every everyone's had a go at one point. If you remember the midfield situation, it was home, Iwata, Turnbull, Bernardo, one by one, not coming in and not doing much. And then we thought maybe Bernardo Bernardo nailed down a spot towards the end of the year. And then he's kind of dropped off as well. So um, I don't think he does know what his best team is. I don't think a lot of the fans know what our best team is because of like the, the issues I've just mentioned, inconsistency in form and, and just lack of quality. Um, in terms of Iwata, I know what you were saying there. I thought first half, I don't. I think nobody was good. But second half, he grew into the game as, as well as a few other players. But I don't know, Is he? would you play him in every game? Is he someone that home to Dundee that we need? Or more time castle, I think 100% that's the kind of game it's I was It's twofold saying. because he does a good job in the six. I think he does a really good job actually. But he allows Callum McGregor to move further forward. Now, Callum McGregor's form has been a bit sketchy. There's no getting away from that. But on his day, he can be one of Celtic's 
best creatives. So if you can unlock that and find the key to that, and it's unfair to Callum McGregor to say, you're in the six this week, but you might be in the eight next week and keep chopping and changing. What we need to do is give a batter like Bernardo got, you know, a run of games and let's see what he got to. So, I mean, so popular was he amongst the fans yesterday. Booze rang round when he got taken that, off. And it was a surprise at the time, but ultimately it's been proven right. You know, the managers will live or, live or die by these decisions, but he's made the call at one each and Celtic gone to win. He's also not played regularly. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking yeah. You know, it, it was seven you know, minutes. In I was it. surprised and I just, Booze, I meant, by the way, rather than I, 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 I just missed Rodgers with that ball that I chucked as well. But um, <laughs> no, I... I, I I did understand it from a fatigue point of view. That that's how I was looking at it. But you know the reaction. I think it just goes to show the, the fans felt that he was playing well. But also it's probably just a bit of frustration. At, if somebody's playing well, just keep them on. Don't tinker with it. But I think it was maybe just a wee bit of frustration at, at Rogers. Aye. Um, mm. Probably still a hangover for the first half. I think. Yeah. That's that's, so. that's what I think because that's we had. I mean, we've watched a good deal of nonsense this season. But as we've all said, that was that topped a lot. Listen, it, people are looking at this game in um, totally different views as well. There's still plenty that are saying that Rodgers is done, it's time up. But for me, I hope that we're speaking about this uh, turning point. Um, even even Johnson taking the, the face mask off for the second half. That Rocky, was, Rocky that, montage stuff. That was psychological. The moment he took the mask off, his game just Aye. flicked. Rocky just, it was totally different. I'm going to give you some interesting stats about the game just to show you that real comparison between first half and second half. Goal attempts in the first <clears> half, <throat> Motherwell 7, Celtic 3. In the second half, it was Motherwell 3, Celtic 13. So if you weren't sure, if somehow you watched that game and weren't sure how different they were, That'll tell you all you need to know. My father don't know a whole lot about XG. I think that's more <laughs> your domain. But Motherwell in the first half of an XG of 0.42 goals versus Celtic slightly better, 0.63. In the second half, Motherwell were on 0.18, so we've lowered their expected goals. And we've got 1.83, so we've cranked ours up. That's how I'm reading it anyway, Paddy. Uh, in terms of just corner kicks, it's always a good indicator. Motherwell had three to Celtic's one in the first half. Celtic had three to their one in the second half. It just shows you though just how much more pressure Celtic were putting on. And to your point, Asim, the Hibs game, mm. we've got away with one there, right? You, you didn't come away from the 2-1 win thinking we've turned a corner. That second half was so much better. Look at the stats. We were peppering their, their goal with shots and all that kind of thing. But Motherwell was different. You did feel it was so much better. I actually can't believe the contrast in each half. It was yeah. two totally different games of football, you know, across those 45s. And I suppose I'll ask you straight out, Yes, we've been here before, we've seen a few false dawns, but do you feel it as a you know a turning point for this side? It's I'm reluctant to say it just because, yeah, because I, I don't we need that. But I, I, if you look at even just since the January winter break, the the fixtures we've had, Ross County and the League Ones anyway, Ross County, brutal performance. Aberdeen, what was it? Um decent first half, awful second half. Yeah. Hibbs, pretty average first half, awful second half. And then the Kelly one there, again, I thought pretty, pretty good first half, but then awful second half. So it's been a common common theme. This one obviously was the reverse. And and it was it was just the nature of it. It felt much more like watching the Celtic that we were used to. And dare I say it, the Celtic of last season, where you're peppering their goal. When I say peppering, like we, we created a good few chances. You look at Maeda's sitter. And in turn, what that does, you mentioned the XG there, you're limiting them. I felt like Motherwell weren't a threat, whereas you look at the Hibs game, Hibs should have scored a couple at Easter yeah. Road second half. Aberdeen yeah. should have scored. Kelly, we all felt the goal was coming. Mm -hmm. Something changed yesterday. And Motherwell, I know they're they're not having a great time of it, but you've seen in the first half, they can cause a threat. Suddenly that changed. Why? Because we were playing everything so much quicker. Yeah. And again, I just, I don't know if it's just Rogers has drilled into them too much about this kind of 
possession base, safety, it'll come, we've got the better players. And like you said, that goal from Motherwell, because we needed two goals, mm-hmm. almost they just chucked that out of the window. Let's just go and play like Celtic, get on the front foot, get balls into the box, overlaps, everything that we used to seeing previously. And it just made a, such a difference. It's like he told the players at half time. But to answer your question, yes, I think it could. Yes. Be. <laughs> <laughs> you can have saved us two minutes there. Go on. Superb. But it's like he told the players just to take the handbrake off, you know, just, just go for it. There's nothing to lose, or, or certainly that's how the players must have been feeling. They must have been feeling the pressure of, of being a goal down and they've just gone and expressed themselves and lo and behold, you get what you get. It wasn't exactly from the get-go though. When you think about it, I'm, I'm, we're talking about like the second half. They're definitely the, the, the idea of keeping them in their half. I think we we played by a high line in the first half and it was as if at halftime they said, guys, we're doing this for a reason. Going to stick to it. And it seemed to work a bit better in the first five, ten minutes. But it was for me from the goal from the changes that were made, we're talking 30, 35 minutes of severe pressure from us, which I don't think we've seen it as consistent. And to do it in the second half, to do it in those those uh, those dying moments, really keep them pinned in and actually keep the tempo up as well, was just really impressive to see. There's been a couple of games where we've seen our subs come on and do something. I think back to the Aberdeen game, 6-0. That was all our subs came on and scored, made it had an impact in the game. And yesterday for me, it happened again. Great to see. Great to see us have a team that's able just to, you know, make sure that we can put the opposition on the on the ropes and realise that the changes that they made, their changes were going to be better yesterday. Mm. And that's the way it panned out for me, especially Yang. I, yeah. Really, really impressed with him yesterday. Very much so. But he made the point, Brendan Rodgers, when he was asked what the halftime message was, he basically said that he told the players to calm down or to stay calm and to shorten the passes and I thought that was really telling you know he's saying don't, don't be trying you don't need to go for the, the ultimate World Cup pass or the through ball just go for the 7-10 yard pass to your teammate that, that moves you up the park and I thought that in itself must have just calmed the players down it's huge that you get the goal early though and for Adam he did get that goal what was it 51 minutes yeah, that really set the tone tell you what we'll do Miff we'll stay for a wee bit on your favourite topic which is Brendan Rodgers um, and we're going to take a look at our, our listen at listener's question which has come all the way from Australia it's one of our regular listeners Ian Rooney so let's hear from Ian now Hi guys it's Ian Rooney here long time listener first time messenger what I really want to say I've just had a few wines watched the Motherwell game and just another death by a thousand cuts and what I suppose my question is when is the Brendan Rogers experiment 2.0 going to be deemed a failure and I base that on really the fact that he's made our star striker in Kyogo the most ineffectual player on the field so yeah he's breaking my heart so an emotional Ian Rooney there all the way from Australia I have two questions for you number one are you Ian Rooney? No, no I'm not no, <laughs> number I'm not. two if not what do you think about the real Ian Rooney's question? what a guy what a guy <laughs> that's all I've got to say Listen to the crickets yeah. in the background. He said a couple of wines. He's out in the veranda. Top man, Ian. Um, <laughs> listen, what I will say is this. Not not somebody to back Rogers in any way, but I think when it comes to Kyogo, we can talk about the style of play all we want. Kyogo's been playing injured all season. Aye. That's the, that's the reality of it. He's not as dynamic as he was. It's only his sheer class that's gotten through this season. Um, and our desperation for him to be in the team we've had to rely on him so greatly which actually makes our transfer business all the more ludicrous to be quite frank I, I, I am massively frustrated with Rodgers that second half yesterday aside I'm a, it worries me that we could have started the game and played the way that we did but I'm, I, I don't just want to be negative all the time I feel like I'm being negative all the time when 
you know, there's still a prize out there to be won. And I think we all need to be mindful of that. You know, we go there and you just get frustrated because you want to see the team win. We all want to see Celtic win. But I found myself just getting mired in this, you know, wasn't even looking forward to games and things like that just because the standard of the football was so poor. That's what really, really impressed me with the second half yesterday was the quality of the football was good. It was good, excellent, high tempo, you know, enjoyable football. And that's all we want. And if Rodgers can serve that up more regularly, then when Kyogo is fit and back in the team, he will benefit from that. And the second half just proved that this group of players under this manager can play in that way and that should give reasons for encouragement. One guy on Twitter asked him at half-time, <laughs> just lost a rag paddy by the looks of it. I'm going to quote this fella, at Asim Rabani on Twitter. <laughs> the manager needs to go if we fail to win again here on the back of yet another abysmal and quite possibly the worst in a long run of shambolic, shambolic performances this season. You stand by it? At that point, aye. Um, <clears throat> quite right, mate. No, I think, quite right. I, I think I, I totally entitled to yeah. that opinion, though. I'd really I do. Look, obviously, football fans are fickle, and you, people might be like, well, what's changed in the space of 45 minutes? And to be honest, I'm, I've always been one of those. I'd, I think as soon as you get to a situation where you feel a manager's a game away from a sack or from going, the situation's already pretty, pretty bad because it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be on a game by game basis. Like you alluded to earlier, Miff, we're at a strange part of the season. I was never going to be calling for him to go for a number of reasons previously because, A, I don't think this has been solely on him. There are certain fans out there, I feel, who have it in for him. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I'm not looking at you. <laughs> no, but to be fair, not even like I think there are some who... not Nobody's willing him to fail, but there are a lot of people ready to be like, told you so, or... Just can't go him, mm-hmm. right? And I've I've been kind of one of his backers um, all all season because I feel like there's been so many other factors at play here. The reason for for yesterday because you look at the, that would if we drew or lost that that would have been three out of our last four league games on the on the way on the back of the winter break where we're just chucking points. It's it, the tra- trajectory of it, it was only going one way. Now I don't know if you all agree, but had we not won yesterday, could you imagine Dundee at home in midweek and the toxic nature of that and just he's that de- divisive already that I just feel like A that I think the title would have been gone if we didn't win yesterday agreed yeah. so I don't even it's not even about whether someone can, can come and save it but I just felt like given the performance was that bad in that first half yesterday had we had say we go on like next week and maybe draw a game on the back of a good performance we've battered hearts but they've scored a late goal that's different but see when they're putting in performances the way they did first half, and obviously I, I wrote the tweet at halftime on the premise that it carried on that way, and it didn't. But had it carried on that way, you then question, has he lost the dressing? Because these guys aren't playing for him. Well, well on, on that point, so being at the game, and obviously when you're at somewhere like Fir Park, you're a wee bit closer to the action. Um, the body language of the players in the first half was you know, really bad. Really bad to the point where, as Asim said, I'm like, they've chugged it. Yeah. They've absolutely chucked it. Now, part of that was probably Kyogo, a mixture of frustration at not getting a bit of service. But then also, you know, he's carrying his injury and, and things like that as well. Missed a chance. But even even the likes of McGregor, yeah. O'Reilly. Hand, hands up at the goal. O'Reilly, you know, just really, really poor. Big scales looked so edgy and nervy. Because uh, he was known that ball... He wanted nothing to do with Big Bear, that ball and behind him was, was doing him every time. So I just felt there was, there, there was a lot that looked wrong in the in the first half. Um, and that's when you start to worry. Ask my agree with you, mate. I, you know, I'm like, 
this is probably we've reached a point here of no return yeah. which is why it made the second half all the more remarkable exactly. to me Am I right in saying you, were you at the Tony Mowbray 4-0 game? Yes Yeah and you've spoken about that before and, and someone else mentioned it in a message you know yesterday that it was those kind of vibes you know you just you just felt things weren't quite right but and obviously it didn't play out like that but you've got a turnaround I don't think anybody could have called that at half time not just 3-1's 3-1 and scorelines can happen and flip goals can happen and stuff but the performance to go from just a nonsense of a, of a performance in the first half to to flick a switch. It, it, I suppose that the question is, Brendan Rodgers spoke post-match, Paddy, about there was an anxiety about the players in the first half. Now, Asim's right, there's lots of things going on at Celtic this season that you can't pin on Brendan Rodgers. Signings and, you know, recruitment teams and Green Brigade issues and all these kind of things. What you can pin on him and have to pin on him is how he motivates and prepares these players for a game of football. They cannot be anxious on his watch. That's his job to make them relaxed, ready to go and ready to perform. And as concerning that they, they weren't for the first half, and the question is, Paddy, I mean, is Brendan Rodgers living game to game at the moment? You know, it feels like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think I think he is. I think um, we've, like we've just mentioned earlier on, is that we have seen those games where we're like, this is the turning point, and then it's been followed up with a poor performance, especially at Celtic Park this year. I think uh, the, the manner in which we took the second half yesterday, for me, I think Wednesday will be a brilliant place. I really do. I think it'll be a... A really positive atmosphere, and I think the team will, uh, the fans will definitely get behind the team. We are speaking about fine margins here, uh, here, guys. I think that we we look at obviously the players that we have had missing this season. I'm not saying that that's the excuse, but it definitely plays a big part in what team we've got getting out uh, going out every week. And I wonder for a lot of those guys, is that a penny drop moments or, or, or moment on on Sunday um, on the basis of this team is nowhere near an end of its cycle. This team, the the main spine of it, is probably at just that, that start to hit that peak area. They're winners. They know what it's about. And I wonder if it, we're getting the likes of Carter Vickers back, Greg Taylor coming back, um, Alistair Johnson coming back. And I've said about that back line being, it has to be the strongest because it's how yeah. Celtic operate. It's how Celtic operated under Ange. And it's, it's how Celtic operated under Brendan Rodgers in his first time round as well. We always play from out the back. We we always do it. So it needs to be right. It needs to be right. And it's not been this season. It's not been settled. It's been a bit disjointed. Our wingers in front have not operated well with our wing backs at all. And I think now, for me yesterday, that was points of, oh, that's that's how we've done it. Mm. That's how we've done it before. I think it's a massive moment for this team to kick on. He needs to get his players in the right frame of mind. He needs to get his selections right. And he needs to hope that there's no more injuries for the remainder of the season. True, but you also, all really good points. You can also imagine how they'll have been feeling at Lennox Town today versus how they would have felt had they dropped any sort of points. And it's it's night and day, and to your point, Barry, could be a really vibrant atmosphere on Wednesday night, you know, against Dundee. Uh, Matt, I'll ask you a final question before we move on from this section. I think I know the answer, but interested to get your take on it. Do you think the players are still responding to him? Had I asked you at half-time, you'd have probably given me a different answer, but... Over the piece, having watched the 90 minutes at Fur Park, do you feel they're still responding to what Brendan Rodgers wants them to do? Some are, some aren't. Mm. Uh, I think the nature of Rodgers' character is such that I think some players will benefit from his style of coaching and other, others won't. And I think that's part of the reason why. You think he's team, getting buy-in from some and not from others, potentially? I, I, I would say so, yeah. I think that's why we've been so inconsistent. That's why we've been unable at times to go up levels. 
is that players is that players not buying in or is it players just not, not good, enough. good enough to buy in yeah, they'd, they'd like, they'd like to buy in but they just possibly yeah. mm. I think it's more, more that to be honest I, I don't see anything wrong with the with the spirit I see nerves I definitely <laughs> see nerves with some of the guys that are, are new to it all and, and a lot more expected of them and I include Greg Taylor in that I think he's had to step up a lot more this year and been found out at some points but his last two games definitely seen someone that thinks they can go and win this league well yeah, I, he he is one of the more experienced yeah. players in, in the in the squad so guys like him need, need to stand up yeah. and I would say yeah. Alistair Johnson as well he's been here long enough now you know he's an experienced international player he has to stand up I think mm -hmm. you know the, the one person that we haven't mentioned for yesterday who has been standing up over the past few games massively is Joe Hart yes. and you can see that he's really really taking that, that mantle on I think he can see that some of the the younger and newer players are struggling, and he's trying. He's trying to be that that character in the dressing room, and I think even even his captain's struggling a wee bit, and mm -hmm. I, I think he'll appreciate all the help that he can give him in that front. And we've not gone into any detail here, but obviously Joe Hart made the announcement during last week that he's retiring at the end of the season, and and what a career it's been. But he wants to go out a winner, Paddy. This isn't a guy that's settling down and saying I've got a dozen or so games left at this level. What will be will be. He will be driving that team on. You might have seen the clip doing the rounds. Uh, today on Twitter from Lil Z who shared clips from when Celtic beat Rangers a year ago in the League Cup final and it's the behind the scenes dressing room uh, shots and you've got Ange doing his thing and motivating but you've got Joe Hart an absolute leader in that dressing room it's, it's there in black and white for you to see it's a really interesting bit of footage um, Asim, just last point which I think is a, a good positive to finish on as well I think amongst your Twitter rants <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> You're also, I've got to say, well, you, you just he's an absolute pirate at this boy. <laughs> but you retweeted a brilliant image, and it was Cameron Catterbackers yeah. and Alistair Johnson celebration. Great. Everyone, you know, bolted towards Adam Mead in the corner. Johnson turned round and, and celebrated emphatically with his teammate, and it shows a real spirit in this camp. Yeah, uh, you're right. The, the the scenes at the end just give you that feeling that you know what we're not done yet, no. which is in stark contrast to how you felt at half time. And you're right, seeing the likes of Carter Vickers, Johnston, Taylor, these are the guys we're going to need to rely on. Hart, um, I know we've not really spoke about McGregor, but I've been seeing him get a lot of stick. I, I'm not one for that. I, honestly, I, I've got a lot of time and respect. I, lot, I know a lot of fans do, but I just feel he should be cut a bit of slack right now. He's off form. Sorry, on you go, Miffy. No, just on that, I think it's the weight of everything yeah. I think it affects him probably yeah. more than them deals he's having to carry a lot of the players around him who like you said there some of them just aren't simply good enough um, yet he's still the one I want in there see for these last 10-11 games you 100% what people have been calling for him maybe to be dropped no and same with Matt Riley. I know he's off form as well but these guys have been there done that you want those kind of characters on the pitch Alistair Johnson Greg and if you then look at that and if you then look at the team Hart Johnston Taylor Carter Vickers if Scales or Navarrochki then you've got Hatati coming back McGregor, O'Reilly Maida there's a spine of them that have been there and done it mm -hmm. we need to get them all on the pitch and get them all feeling the way they did at the end there again yeah it could be so important so it was 12 cup finals it's now 11 let's see how Celtic go let's take a short break and when we come back Paddy will be bringing us this week's Mystery Celt Welcome back folks, we're now going to go for this week's Mystery Celt Paddy, I'll come to you for that in a minute But before we do, let's take a quick look at last week's Mystery Celt Which Miff got after two clues I think Clue number one, I made over 100 appearances for Celtic Having signed for the club in 2006 Clue number two, I started my youth career with Wolves Before breaking into their first team And number three, I, I scored a deflected free kick And a 2-1 win against Rangers in May 2010 Miff, the answer? 
Lee Naylor. Lee Naylor, who I know was a bit of a favourite of yours, am I yes, right saying that? absolutely. Just for those who don't know, so Lee Naylor signed for Wills in August 2006 for 600 grand in a move which saw Charlie McGrewhead in the opposite direction. In his time at Celtic, he won two league titles in a Scottish Cup before moving to Cardiff on a free in July 2010. Miff, as a fan, give us your thoughts on Lee Naylor. What can I say? I have a thing for limited left-backs. Um, <laughs> he was somebody who came in and I think he actually replaced Mo Kamara. Kamara. Um, who had been an unmitigated failure. Um, and then he just, he was actually brilliant his first season. Then he kind of dropped yeah. off the, the, the next season to the point where he actually thought, is it, is it the same player? But he then, I, I, I hadn't realised just how long he'd been at Celtic because he was still there when uh, Lennon, yep. Lennon came in as well. So I, he was just a personal favourite of mine, gave 100% and I wasn't someone who listen to a lot of football podcasts anyway but I made a point of listening to his open goal one and it was really really good really good just getting that insight from someone who's come up with no affinity with the club whatsoever but really really got it and and spoke about you know just needing to prove yourself to all the different managers and yeah, I, 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 as I say, really, really good, honest pro, and, and was brilliant, a brilliant player for Celtic. Do you know he finds himself in a fairly similar position to Greg Taylor in that? So he spent yeah four seasons at the club, and they tried to replace him a couple of times. Danny Fox came in and mm. was I could did he move on after six months right. for whatever reason? Edson Braffide, who ended up playing in a World Cup final, came in and left and different things. They were clearly trying to find replacements, but ultimately Neil Lennon ended up playing him again when he came in in 2010, and that's where Greg Taylor's at. Came in, played initially. And then we tried the, the ball and goalie thing and whoever else we've had out there and different options, but Greg Taylor's been the, the one consistent. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing. Diego Laxell. Diego Laxell, oh. of course. But there are parallels between these two guys. But no, an honest kind of player, Miff, and I think a pretty uh, likeable player during his time. So it's a, it's a good shout for Lee Naylor. Paddy, let's go for it. What have you got for this week's mystery? So. Okay, uh, clue number one for this one is uh, I've, he's, not only has he played in Scotland, he's played in England, Italy and France. Anything for you, Asim? No, yet. No. On that one, I'll give you the, one of the clues that um, he played with uh, Cagliari in Italy. Okay. Clue two is he scored twice on his debut. Really narrowing it down there. Yeah. This is like my clues, like he wears size nine boots and all aye, that stuff. Aye, aye. <laughs> you said earlier I played football. Yeah. Um, and this might help, but in clue three, uh, in 2009, he tried to buy Portsmouth Football Club. Oof. He's got two goals in his debut. Two goals in his debut and he tried to buy Portsmouth. In 2009. I've absolutely no idea. Any of you lads got anything? Has he got his myth? Be so, yeah. France. In England, France and Italy. Did you say England as well, eh? Mm -hmm. England, France and Italy. I'll give you a final one. He played, he was signed and played under Martin O'Neill. I'm out, lads. Unless you've you've got anything to bring, we'll need to move swiftly on. Anything, Muff? No. No, nah, not yet. All out. As always, we'll reveal the answer in next week's show, and we'll also reshare the clues on the socials for anyone who wants to give a go there. Remember, if you want to set the mystery cell for a future episode, just get in touch via Twitter, and you can be the one providing the clues next time round. Have you got something, Muff? Oh, oh, oh beep it out. Time. I don't know Great if that made show. the cut. I don't know if we... 
Oh, he's oh, pissy. Just, just finished. You just finished talking. Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah. I'll go to the Dave, panel. get a grip of him. Well done. <laughs> Six 0 against Aberdeen. That's the debut unit. Let's move on to close out the show. We've got another listener's question. This one comes from Stephen Daly. Stephen's at Daily Stephen on Twitter, and it's obviously in, in close reference to Celtic's game against Motherwell. But he asks, should Celtic be considering putting a bid in the summer of say three to four million or whatever it takes for Lennon Miller of Motherwell? Rather than pay six million for someone like Paolo Bernardo, come at you first, ask him. Yeah, I've see sometimes you you see players and you just know straight away. And I think John McGinn was like that. And I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but even like Stuart Armstrong, I thought was someone who was obviously very good, you know, and 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 did a, did a really good job for Celtic. I thought, and he's gone on to have a decent career. Lennon Miller, what seventeen, and yeah. he's he must have racked up I don't know how many appearances, but quite a lot. And for someone at that age. To, to play with the composure and he's box to box I've seen him a few times and I think the the great test is how they do against Celtic that's the best way to kind of judge them because um, you know that's, that's as hard a fixture as they'll have all season and any time I've seen him I've been really impressed he's obviously going to have a lot of suitors I think especially yeah. with the amount of Scottish young talent now that goes abroad you like Lewis Ferguson and Hickey, Doidge etc they've all gone and done pretty well so I think we won't be the only ones interested, but you'd like to think we're we're got our eyes on that and, and looking around and yeah, hundred percent. We've we've paid for like other people his age maybe, Quan who's older actually home, try to fill that void when you've got someone right on your doorstep who's probably just as good if not better. I know, and sometimes there seems to be a snobbery by Celtic and potentially Rangers as well not to sign these guys who are staring you in the face. Some of them, the Lewis Ferguson one annoyed me. I was on record the saying I thought he was someone we should have. Bought because I thought it was a good fit for the type of player that we needed. I know he's more than likely got to be a Rangers fan given his background, but those things don't really concern me. Um, and that's definitely one that got away if you if you look at his form this season. Yeah. Um, as for for Lennon Miller, um, I'm lucky enough that well said I don't know him personally. Um, he did our or one of my son's uh, football presentation on the teams that I help coach, and he is a just a really cracking, cracking young guy. Uh, and I, I really do wish him all the best. And it would be fantastic if we did see him at Celtic. But um, I think wherever he ends up, he's destined for a big future. Yeah, and it's good to hear he's a decent lad. He's obviously got a, a footballing background through his father. His dad's Lee Miller, who's capped for Scotland and had a pretty decent career of his own. And he'll be getting good guidance in terms of that. I'll give you just some of the, the headlines on Lennon Miller. So he made his debut for Mother as a 16-year-old in August 2022. Still only 17, as Asim says. He's contracted there until 2026. So far this season, I'm not sure his total stats for Motherwell, but he's played 21 times in all competitions this season. And that includes a, a fairly notable injury. He'd started yeah. the season like a train and then had to miss out for a couple of months. And he's represented Scotland at under 16s, 18s and 19s. Paddy, I suppose to, to bring it back to Stephen's question specifically, if you've got a straight toss-up, or, or is it as straightforward as that, you know, should it be... Miller versus Bernardo or should Celtic should be signing them both? I think Celtic should sign them both. I think they're at different stages mm -hmm. of their career. Yeah. Um, the amount of games Miller's playing at the moment is absolutely brilliant um, and a, a testament to what Motherwell are doing actually with their younger players. Um, I think they've got a, a really strong system there. Um, listen, I think you guys have, have called it spot on. We, we have this uh, ability to um, look at young players in Scotland and, and really just turn our nose up at it um, and I think we actually sometimes do that with our own youth players in my opinion um, not many opportunities have been have been given uh, well not enough in my, my lifetime as a, a Celtic fan 
Um, and I'd like to see that change but I also think that it's a testament to Scottish football at this point just now mm -hmm. that we are producing some really really good talents one of the interesting things is, is I, I'd listened to an interview with uh, Lee Miller and the topic of Lennon moving abroad came up and he says no I'd rather it didn't happen yeah. um, on the basis of he would worry that he would be overlooked for the national team um, and I think that's a fair point because we look at some of the guys that have went and played um, over in Italy and um, who's the, the young guy that's playing over in Sturmgratz just now that was uh, Max, Max Johnson I, I, I think I think these guys you know is there enough scouting happening from the SFA for these players to see how they're doing Lewis Ferguson for me is a, a, a massive miss for Celtic in terms of what he is doing at the moment for Bologna to the point I think Juventus are keen on him um, I think they're top four top four at the top moment four. and he's, cap he's captain yeah. and he's he's not a shoe in to start for Scotland because Steve Clark's got his loyalty thing you know he's exactly. got to stick to the players he knows and, and I've seen that um, that interview and, and Miller was right it probably is the case that guys go abroad and we just you don't you out of sight out of mind almost you know yeah. I think that's got to change come the summer if we're serious about going far and Aye. Um, yeah. international tournaments you need guys on point and apparently um, Andrew was a big fan of Max Johnson is that I, right? I heard that as well uh, but I think you know we've all given the examples there John McGinn Josh Doig, Lewis Ferguson, Arne Hickey, you know, current Scotland internationals. These guys were all, at one point, achievable for Celtic. And I wonder if, I mean, let's, let's be frank about it. Celtic's current recruitment policy isn't working. We're, we're doing it wrong, however we're shopping or wherever yeah. we're shopping. And I think Celtic must surely be aware of Lennon Miller. Whether they're making moves or not, it's a different story. But they must be, if they weren't aware, they're aware now. I was going to say, Callum McGregor's aware <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> runs them. Um, he's a talented boy seems to have feet in the ground good to hear him I think he was a good lad for the, the boys with the presentation so he's got a bright future and I think he's the kind of guy that Celtic should be going for so listen thanks to Stephen for the question it's one that will probably heat up you know as the season plays out and as Lennon Miller uh, hopefully gets more games under his belt Paddy I'll come to you for your final thoughts obviously a, a huge week again in the context of the season Dundee at home on Wednesday night Hearts at Tynecastle on Sunday um, what's your final thoughts as we wrap up this week's show um, as I said on Friday, I was optimistic about Sunday. I wasn't uh, expecting that first half performance, absolutely. Um, but I think that there's a bit of determination that grew from that, that second half performance. And as I said, I, I think Wednesday, um, we go for it. Uh, you posted the little uh, scene with, from Rocky. I'm going back to Rocky again. I love the films. Just win. We, <laughs> we just win. Just win. Brendan should be watching that every morning. Let's go and do it. I think the, the, the running is there. We, we've got enough about us to go and win all 11 if we really wanted to. And that's the, that's the state of that Celtic squad. If they, if they want it, they can, they can go and do it. Yeah, so 12 Cup Finals becomes 11. Aston, we didn't really get time to cover it. You know, there's a lot going on just now in, in Celtic world, but Celtic obviously pu published uh, the interim accounts, the half-year accounts um, on Friday, was it? And the message is basically, we've still got hundreds of money, but we're not really doing much with it. And we share your frustrations, quote unquote, about the transfer window. Any quick comments on that, Asim, and your final thoughts for the week? Uh, it was no surprise, was it? Like the, the results, we all knew there was going to be a, a healthy balance on there. Um, you think it was a typical Celtic PR, though, the, on the week of it, we had the announcement of the, the training centre. Um, it's just, nothing surprises you anymore, but... Um, some it's stuff we've discussed all, all season long, isn't it? We know that the money's there, yet excuses get made uh, about not being able to get certain targets. But it's all the nonsense. If you can't get your first target, you move on to the next. You make sure and get people in that are going to get you over the line, get you this title that then gets you the £60 million award um, at the end of the season. So it doesn't wash uh, with any of the fans, but it's no surprise that you know they tried to kind of 
butter it up and come out with comments to justify it and whatnot. But um, in terms of Wednesday, I was going to say, is it just win? I, I want goals. I want a dent in the goal difference. I want a, a statement kind of win now because we've had all these kind of wins where, we, where it has just been just win. Some of them haven't been just win. But for me, Wednesday needs to be a, a comfortable win and, and ideally goals because I didn't expect them to win 5 0. Uh, at the weekend there but like you say we can only concentrate on ourselves but I think it's time we put in a, a big victory and home to Dundee come on that's that should be the one that we're aiming yeah. for in the back of the weekend there. the big frustration is there's no Rocky clip where Adrian says to Rocky just win and also there was a big <laughs> statement <laughs> performance minus two I, I can't I can't, I can't <laughs> share that around but I agree goals one performance will take all three on Wednesday Muff your own final thoughts for the week um, well I, I wish I shared your enthusiasm, but it's invariably been Parkers that's been the problem, yeah. um, and that's 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 just that's the biggest worry for me. Albeit that buoyed by the nature of the victory on Sunday, I agree it should be a fairly decent atmosphere. My, my mentality now is: listen, the players got us into this mess, but they've got a great opportunity to get us out of it. So on you go, lads, batter in. And they've shown in that second half that they're more than that, capable. So. And that, that's the that's the most pleasing fact. So come on, lads, figure it out. Let's do it. Yeah. So that wraps things up on this latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to Muff Paddy and Asim for joining me and thanks to you for tuning in. Don't forget the additional episodes we'll be bringing you this week around the Dundee and Harps games and on Wednesday we'll have that latest show in our CSC Stories series as we speak with the guys from the Detroit CSC. But in the meantime, as always, thanks for supporting the Celtic Exchange and we'll see you again soon. Oh! <laughs>